Hello and welcome! I'm Joanna Junak and this is GFN News on GFN.tv. In today's program, Roberto Sussman, founder and director of Provapero Mexico and member of INCO, will tell us more about the latest study on metal contents in e-cigarette aerosol. Thank you, Roberto, for joining us today. It's nice to have you on the program. First, you examined the methodology of several studies looking at toxic compounds in e-cigarette vapor. Could you elaborate on the problems you uncovered in these studies? The, the central issue of uh, harm reduction is that you actually reduce harms, right? And uh, typically we take as reference cigarette smoke, right? Because it is uh, electronic cigarettes are a product that are substituting cigarettes, tobacco cigarettes. So we want to assure people that this uh, change of product is reliable, right? So the basis of the, this produces a lot of research in many areas because it is a complex problem. It is, a, a, you have chemistry and physics of the emissions that you compare but then you also have biomarkers because once, once this uh, aerosol or cigarette smoke enters to your body, it makes biological changes. Some changes are very quick and they reflect in the biomarkers, but other changes also occur at cellular level, at tissues, and uh, even longer term, whether you, you, what are your chances of uh, getting certain diseases, cardiovascular, etc. And also, there is a demographic interest you would like to see to what degree people are switching to this product and to what degree they are successful in, uh, in replacing cigarettes. And also, you want to see what is the effect on some vulnerable or subpopulations like teenagers or you want to see if non-smokers take it up and what etc it, it's a, but the basis of the pyramid is the chemistry and the physics of the emissions if we could find that the that the uh, the emissions the aerosol that we are emitting when we vape if this aerosol is toxic that it has a high concentration of known toxic compounds and toxicity is always comparative you compare it with standards that are very well known so if the toxic content of the aerosol is too high then what's the point of going on the rest of the pyramid cannot be built and we have examples of that like when the tobacco industry in the 90s or in the 1980s, 90s, they, they uh, released some cigarettes that they were, I don't know, like low tar or they put special filters and they were advertised as safer. But once you, you look at the emissions, you see they are not safer. So it is very important to check the chemistry, the chemical properties and physical properties of the aerosols to be able to know. Now, uh, unfortunately, 
many of the studies that have done that have not done it correctly because the first requisite that you need to test the emissions is that you test them in a way that it is realistic, that it is as faithful as you can to the real life usage of the devices. If you test them in conditions that are do not correspond to the real usage of the devices, then you might even do a very good experiment in terms of, of, the, of the procedures, the chemical, physical procedures, but it is not going to be useful for the end user. Because, you see, a, a good analogy is to test a car, right? Suppose you, te you, you, you test the car uh, and it is a very powerful sports car that goes very fast. And you take a driver that has never driven a car like that, a naive novel driver, and, and you ask the, this driver to drive this car at 250 kilometers per hour. What will happen? Well, the person will die, will crash. But you are testing the car in conditions that are not realistic, right? Because people do not drive this type of car or cars or in general at 250 kilometers per hour. So even if your testing materials and procedures are impeccable, that's a, that's a misleading test. And the only reason you would conduct such a test is if you want to generate fear in the population as a, towards cars. Then you would do this type of testing. So we wanted to check if, uh, because there is, there is a lot of literature that it is often cited that electronic cigarettes contain metallic compounds in the emissions. Metallic compounds are very toxic. But again, I, I emphasize that toxicity depends on the dose. Like right now, uh, you are probably in Poland, I'm here in Mexico, we're breathing, we're breathing metals, right? Metals don't come from another galaxy. They are natural ingredients in air, in the soil, in water, in food, and we inhale them or we ingest them, but we don't drop dead because the dose is very small, right? But this, some of these studies, they not only say that electronics, that, that metal compounds, typically oxides, are detected in the aerosol of the electronic cigarette. They say they are detected in very large concentrations and doses that are above the toxicological market. So our focus was to look at these experiments, to look first if they tested the devices in realistic conditions that, are, that approximate a real usage, right? Second, to see if they provide all the information that we need and also if they computed correctly the exposures, right? So we wanted to check that carefully. That was the, that was the aim of the study, right? This, this, is the, this is what we focus on doing that specifically on metals, right? 
Now, we are also going to do that for no, for organic byproducts because electronic cigarettes, and with this I finish this part, you see, you have a liquid, right? If you analyze the liquid, that gives you some idea of what, of what will come in the aerosol. But you have to bear in mind that this liquid will be heated, right? You, you, uh, the, the moment you push a battery, you input energy and that energy will hit the liquid, right? So when this liquid, the, 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 the compounds that make this liquid are heated, then there is a chemical, there are chemical processes. Typically is what we call low energy pyrolysis or thermal degradation and some new compounds will be generated. We call this the byproducts, which are different from the solvents, or propylene glycol and glycerol, and nicotine and water, which is what is in the liquid. But then other compounds will be generated, right? And we and these are called byproducts, and we need to analyze them because toxicity is like is going to be there. In the in the cigarette is the same. You you, you hit the tobacco uh, plant, and this heating generates a lot of chemical processes that generate, but it's uh, the, the chemistry of the cigarette is much more complicated. Nevertheless, this was the focus, to look at this bypro the byproducts, the metals, metals are, are going to be there because the electronic cigarette is metallic. So uh, by physics of surfaces, some of these uh, some some uh, uh, some of these metals will enter the aerosol. We want to see if the amount of metals that enter there are really uh, toxic in the sense that are higher than toxicological markers. So this was the focus of the paper, right? Could you tell us more about the types of metals that you have been reported in e-cigarette vapor? Uh, well, the, the, the studies, they, they look at a wide variety of metals, right? Um, uh, the so-called um, um, hard metals, no, um, heavy metals, right? But also metalloids, which are, um, the, the uh, metals are a very, very large uh, amount of, uh, of compounds, right? Now, the alloys of the, uh, the the coils of the electronic cigarette, they are typically nichrome, there's nickel, chrome, iron. And so um, you target the, the, the way that, that, that these are detected, I, but typically the um, mass spectrometer, right? When, when the, the aerosol, it, it is a jungle of molecules and whatever, and then you put some, you put electric or magnetic fields, and then all these, uh, <laughs> the atoms and molecules, they are dissembled. But you have a computer program that allows to, from this dissembling, of, uh, that allows to, to set up, um, but you, you do have to target it, right? Now, the the, there are libraries of compounds and, and you can have a very good idea of what is there because these articles, they do, they, most of the metals, and this comes also from, uh, uh, this comes also from uh, surface physics, 
most of them will be oxides. Why? Because they will, they, these metal ions will mix with the oxygen of the air, right? The oxy oxygen is a very active, active compound and it, it will mix with this. So typically there will be nanoparticles uh, made of oxides, right? And uh, nanoparticles me meaning particles very, very small, nanometers. Nanometers is one, uh, it's <laughs> the Amer Anglo-Saxons, the people who speak English, they would say one billionth, right? But really it's 1,000 of million part. Is that a nanometer? And they, uh, these oxides, they go into the aerosol. But once you put them in the mass spectrometer, you will get the metal element, not the oxide. You, we, it is an oxide, typically, uh, but the, the mass spectrometer will tell you how much nickel, how much chrome, how much lead, iron, copper, you know, the metal elements, right? We'll tell you the metal elements because they have been dissembled by the mass spectrometer, okay? So the, the, the most abundant metal that is found in all studies is always, it is zinc. But zinc is not a very toxic metal, right? In fact, the body uses a lot of zinc. So, so zinc is not so concerning because the toxicological markers allow for a high concentration of it. But the most, the, the most concerning metal is nickel. Nickel is also found in high concentrations, right? But the toxicological markers are lower. Another concerning um, metal is lead. Lead, I think that's the way it's pronounced in English. Lead, and then also copper, chrome, but typically the most concerning metal is nickel, right? Now. And how might these unrealistic conditions occur? And how might this then affect the results of these toxicity studies? To make uh, an unrealistic testing, you would set up your vaping machine because these experiments are done with vaping machines. You cannot put a sensor in the mouth of the person. So it has to be done by machine, right? So the vaping machine will have a very, very small airflow, right? Very small airflow that would work for a seagull like would work for a seagull like right? And so the machine has a very small airflow, but you generate a lot of vapor. So you do not evacuate efficiently this vapor. And as the machines keep puffing, this vapor, more vapor accumulates and becomes very hot. So you are going to have the condition that is known as overheating because you are not about your machines are using an airflow and a puffing volume that is meant for seagull likes or for low power devices, but you are using it in a high power device. So you are not evacuating the vapor. The temperature increases because you are still supplying the same amount of power and energy, right? 
And so you generate, but the machine, see, a human, uh, if you would give this aerosol to a human, it would be too hot. It would burn your mouth. It would be like around 80 or 90 degrees and your mouth can take maybe up to 50 or 60 degrees. So it, the person, it would burn and it would taste awful. It would taste really, really repellent. But the machines do not feel, do not taste. The machines continue operating, right? Now, in an extreme case, the liquid, because it is consumed very fast because of the, of the overheating, consumes the liquid very fast. There comes a point when the liquid, liquid depletes and what happens is that the, the wick, which is made of cotton, it becomes to be pyrolyzed or even burned, right? And this is what is called the dry heat. You can have overheating without a dry heat, but typically the dry heat is the end product of extreme overheating, right? And so these people do the tests um, with a vaping machine that would work for, for a dual or for a low power device like this. And they, and they test these monsters inappropriately. They produce overheating. Of course, they get, they get lots of metal, nickel, lead, copper, iron, manganese, uh, zinc, of course, a lot, you know? And then they report that. They say, oh, we found electronic cigarettes are dangerous. We have to regulate them very strictly because otherwise people are going to have lots of metals in their bodies, toxic. And these papers are cited all the time, all the time, the WHO, uh, all sorts of uh, anti-tobacco, now anti-vaping, uh, uh, NGOs, uh, campaign for tobacco free kids, all of these people, and even scientists, they, they, people in good faith, they think that these experiments have, have shown that electronic cigarettes have metals in, in high quantities and they should be regulated. But we wanted to see if this is true. Because again, I emphasize toxicity is the basis of the pyramid. If this aerosol is really toxic above our normal thresholds, then what's the point of uh, using an electronic cigarette? Well, you could use it, but then it would be like cigarettes, right? So the whole building, the whole edifice of tobacco harm reduction rests on checking that there is harm reduction, right? And this is, this is what we did in, the, in this paper, right? Thank you, Roberto, for an interesting discussion. We will come back to you on Thursday with some more questions. That's all for today. Find us on GFN TV or on our new podcast for more tobacco harm reduction updates. Thanks for watching or listening. See you next time.